Welcome to the Safari Stories Podcast, the podcast where you'll hear nail-biting stories about all sorts of animals and adventures. Each week, you'll get to ride along as our guests share their amazing safari stories with you. Now, let's jump into your safari stories for today with your host, John Lister. So firstly, David, thank you very much for joining me. Um, we're looking to just go through a little bit about your story and how you came to love the Kruger and nature. If you don't know David Boff, uh, David is the person behind the David Boff Photography Facebook page and also the person behind the Crop Bridge blog. Uh, we'll include links uh, in the bio afterwards. But uh, firstly, thank you very much for joining us, David. Pleasure. So tell me a little bit about how you became to... I uh, love the Kruger and nature in general. So I first uh, first went to Africa, I think it was some 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I was married a long time ago, back in the day. And I went to uh, spend some time in uh, in Kenya. Um, went there on my honeymoon to the Mara. And I've been back two or three times to Samburu, uh, Savo. Um, and just uh, fell in love with the bush, really, to be honest. Um, and then married life took over. I had a... Um, uh, a job in IT, working in London, uh, in the virtual world. Um, so I did that for a long, long time. Um, and then found myself single and uh, bumped into uh, a lady from Zimbabwe um, in Oxford one Saturday and started chatting. And uh, so I uh, was kind of talking about my time in Kenya with her and uh, she obviously had an enormous love of the bush. Um, she then subsequently moved back um, and I came over to see her. She lived in uh, Nelspreet, uh, which is about an hour and a, hour and a bit from the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran, a, ran a guest house there. And I used to, I used to fly out for a, well, any spare time I could get, really. Even weekends, I used to fly out sometimes on a Friday morning and back on a Sunday night. Wow. Um, and we used to go to Kruger. And um, I was a bit, uh, bit nervous about going the first time because it's, <clears throat> it's very different from, uh, from the Mara. Um, you know, obviously where you're allowed... You can't self-drive in Mara, um, but you can go off-road with a guide. So I was a bit, um, a bit concerned about the not going off-road part. But um, uh, my worries kind of disappeared after about five minutes, I suppose. Exactly, yes. And uh, am I correct in saying that you uh, ran the lodge or stayed the lodge, uh, stayed at the lodge for quite a period of time there? So we, um, we used to stay at this little lodge um, just outside Kruger, but overlooking the park. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and we got quite friendly with the, with the boss the boss down there and uh, the guy he was running it with <clears throat> had to uh, had to move back to Johannesburg for health reasons. Um, and he phoned and asked if we'd like to come and help him r- run the lodge. So I gave up, um, gave up my very well paid job in the city and headed south. Fair enough. And how long did you spend there? So I was there for about uh, 18 months at the, at the oh, lodges. And um, I, I think I saw a few stories uh, that actually happened out the front of the lodge. Yeah, we had, um, Africa's a bit. Of a, if you've if you've never lived there before, it's a bit of a uh, an experience. To be honest with you, um, we had a staff of uh, we had two guys who used to help with the maintenance uh, of the lodge, and uh, a rotating staff of ladies who do the um, do the guest rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had uh, one of the guys um, uh, used to cycle in from Kamati Port, which is the uh, the nearest town. And um, if it was raining really hard, you know, those big African storms, or if you had a, a puncture on his bicycle, I used to hop in the bucky and um, uh, give him a lift to the lodge. It's yeah. only, about a five, only about a five minute drive. And he phoned me one day and he said, uh, he said, David, David, he said, there's, there's lions. 
And I said, uh, I said, Silver, I know there's lions. So there's many in the park. We see them, you know, most weeks. He said, No, 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 no. In the road, in the road. So I, you know, you never know with these things. So I hopped in the bucky, um, turned out to the lodge towards Kamati Pot, and there, about uh, a kilometre up the road, was about 300 farm workers um, st- stood across the road. So I drove up, picked up, uh, picked up Silver, and drove back towards the lodge. And there, in the sugarcane field opposite opposite the lodge gates, were seven lions that uh, had wandered under the fence from the Kruger wow. in the sugarcane field. Um, and the sugarcane was only about a foot high, mm-hmm. so you could see the lions quite clearly. So I pulled in, um, pulled into the gate of the farm opposite. And there was uh, two uh, two buckies from Sam Parks and the farmer. So I pulled up, and as all good English people do, said, "Is there anything I can do to help?" Mm-hmm. Having lived <laughs> nervously. <laughs> Yeah, having lived in the tent, <laughs> Thames Valley in England, I don't think there was much I could uh, contribute, to be honest. So they said, no, we're, we're fine, thanks. So um, uh, we stayed for about 10 minutes uh, and watched. I took uh, uh, Silver back to do some stuff at the lodge, um, locked the lodge gates, which seemed like the only sensible thing thing to do, um, and then wandered off uh, across the road back to the sugarcane field. Um, and the lines, after about 20 minutes, uh, the female got up, wandered through a hedge at the back towards the, where the staff accommodation is, followed by the rest. Um, and uh, then I had two pistol shots. <clears throat> uh, about 10 minutes later, it was just the farmer trying to just shot, fired two shots in the air, trying to scare them back into Kruger. Yes. Um, anyway, the, uh, the workers came back after an hour and um, I went back in the afternoon to check to see if they, if they found the lines. All the farmers had gone back to work. Uh, all the farmhands had gone back to work, and I spoke to a guy called Irving Knight, who was um, who worked at Crocodile Bridge at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there, and I said, "You, you found the lines then?" He said, "No, but we think they've gone back." Um, but anyway, yeah, everyone wow. was uh, everyone was back at work, and I was just thinking, you know, if that happened in in um, in, uh, in England, if lions escaped from a safari park or somewhere, there'd be a, a ten kilometre exclusion zone, and the SAS would be called out, and there'd be <laughs> yeah, it would be um, a major catastrophe. Yeah, but no, people just roll their eyes, ish, and back to work. It's just yeah, one right. of those strange African things. And so when you're staying at the lodge, is that where you got to uh, sort of break away for a bit and go and spend a bit of time in the south of the park? Yeah, so we used to do, um, we used to work three days on, three days off. Okay. Um, and anyone who's worked at the lodge knows that, you know, they're long hours. So we'd be up at, we'd be up at uh, 4, 4.30, depending on the season, to see the guests off mm-hmm. on safari. Um, and then daytime you know just the general maintenance cleaning that kind of stuff uh in the evening we'd have a big braai normally bed about nine ten o'clock and then uh back to work back to work the next day Th- three days was about the shortest that we used to do so our days off you know it's very tempting to sit around the lodge and sit in the pool and stuff but uh with the crew go 20 feet from the swimming pool it's very hard not to hop in the car and um head over the bridge so that um, m- most of our days off that's what we used. okay and spend the day in the park indeed mm-hmm. And so uh, you obviously have seen a lot of things, been uh, spending three days on and three days off in the park. Uh, tell me about some of your more memorable sort of sightings. Well, I've been very lucky. And um, one of the things that always make us smile, you know, when I've been there a while and I was a, an old hand mm-hmm. um, at Safari, in inverted commas, um, guests used to come back and say, oh, we saw everything today, you know, meaning the big fight. And the, uh, and the thing I've learned over the years is, you know, you never see anything, everything. If you live in the park, yeah. There's always something, always something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I suppose, uh, I suppose in terms of sightings, one of the, uh, one of the rarest animals I've seen was uh, a pangolin, which was uh, 
2017, 2018, I think, mm. up near. Um, it was it was during the big uh, the big drag we had, so it's probably 2017. Um, up near Skakusa, and it was one of those blazing hot Kruger days, 45 degrees, um, and we're just heading up to Skakusa for a for a cold beer for lunch, mm-hmm. um, and it was hot, and there was hardly any, very few cars around because of the heat, and the bush was was really sparse. And we're just driving up towards the uh, the high level bridge um, on the north side of the Sabi River, and there, crossing the road, was a was a um, pangolin. Wow. Just uh, myself and my girlfriend. We had it on our own for about fifteen twenty minutes, I suppose. Um, she burst into tears as soon as she see you know she just shouted pangolin, and the tears came. And it's one of those things that you realise that you know um, I've been there a very short time compared with you know a lot of people. Um, and to have that, that kind of luck. I know people, you know, friends in South Africa and guests who've been coming to Kruger for 40, 50 years and never seen one. Um, and I'll be amazed if I ever see one again, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but amazing sighting. They were much bigger than I thought they were. Um, mm-hmm. uh, probably a meter long. Um, wow. Amazing animals. Just mm-hmm. fantastic to see. So we headed down to, uh, we headed down to the cattle baron afterwards. Yep. Abandoned the rest of the day. And we had a nice lunch and a bottle of French champagne at the, the Cattle Baron to celebrate our Pangolin Day. Very good. Very nice. Well, um, it's the uh, feature shot on your website, I believe. It is, yes. It yes. is, yes. I've, it's uh, uh, it's actually quite interesting to see them move. Like I've, I've only seen it on uh, video, but the way that they sort of walk in that, it's quite unique. Yeah, they're, they're, very, they're very slow and deliberate walking. Uh, and as you know, they walk on their, uh, on their, on their back two legs. Um, but no, they're very, I mean, real prehistoric animals you know the only other thing i could compare them to in time in terms of ancient looking is uh obviously the crocodile yeah no they're um, bizarre looking things um you know uh, lots of our guests used to say it's an anteater is it related to the anteater and of course uh, they're not they're they're obviously their own species fair enough and uh i noticed that you post a lot of pictures of leopards so that must be one of your favorites uh leopards <laughs> i suppose it's one <laughs> I suppose uh, out of all the animals that, um, that people travel from all over the world to Kruger to come and see is the ingwe, the leopard, mm-hmm. um, which are tricky to find. Um, you know, there are certain certain roads that we used to go to uh, where, where we know they're leopards um, and sometimes we wouldn't see them. Most of the time we wouldn't see them there. And they, they kind of pop out in trees and from behind bushes when you're least expecting them, really. We used to, we used to go oh, sometimes two weeks, mm-hmm. three weeks, in every three days without seeing a leopard. And wow. um, we'd, have, we'd have guests come to the lodge saying, oh, we saw two today. And, but um, patience is, is the trick. And we always say that, you know, a leopard will come and find you. So, and, I, um, uh, and yes, I mean, they are wonderful to see. Um, and they are very, very solitary, but sometimes they're very brazen. And, you know, they'll just sit by the side of the road and watch you as you watch them. Exactly. And, and um I, I noticed that you uh, posted a picture about some lines in the reeds. That oh, yes. Made the uh, paper, I believe. So our, um, yeah, that was that was uh, published on the online USA Today, I think. Correct. So our local, our local line pride, um, the Varami pride, which is named after the little bridge, mm-hmm. um, about two two kilometres uh, as you go into the park. I think one of one of the maybe not the biggest. I don't think they're as big as the, as the Sabi pride, but. Uh, at one point there was about 22, 23 of them, so substantially big pride. And they, they used to hunt regularly um, on uh, the banks opposite the lodge. And in fact, when uh, when the Crocodile River was low, they, they used to hunt 
on our side of the, the um, of the river as well. We had a strip of land about 150 feet at, at most on our side of the river. But yeah, the the ones so we'd seen them catch warthog opposite the lodge in the past, um, and we had uh, a great sighting where they were they were stalking some buffalo that were it was about five or six buffalo just chilling out in the river. Again, another very hot day, and you could just see the, about three or four lion heads poking out between the reeds in the bushes and stuff. And the buffalo turned and looked at the lion and the lion looked at the buffalo and the lion obviously thought, well, it's a bit hot and there's a few too many of them. You know, perhaps we'll give this one a miss. And uh, the buffalo, as they do, one of them, uh, one of the older boys uh, went downstream a little way, uh, crossed over the river, came up behind the lions and charged them from the back of the reeds. So that caused chaos. There's lions flying everywhere and buffalo snorting and scooting through the uh, river and whatever. So that, that was fantastic. But we had, um, we had one morning where I wasn't, I was actually off and it was one of those strange days. We weren't going into the park and, um, you know, for anyone who slept at night in or near the Kruger, it's very noisy. The animals uh, are mating, eating each other up to all kinds of shenanigans. And it was about three o'clock in the morning. And I remember hearing snorting and growling and, you know, we'd had a, a, a long, I think quite boozy night the night before. Uh, anyway, about quarter to four, there's a knock on the door and it's the other guy who used to run the lodge with me. said, I think you must come and see this. And uh, the Varami girls had killed a buffalo right in front of the lodge, about 50 feet from the from the observation deck. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a rule at the lodge that if, if, if we saw lions first thing in the morning, we'd go and bang on the door, you know, whatever time it was. So we had uh, the whole lodge on the observation deck in their pyjamas and <laughs> nightmares and whatnot. Um, and we had we had two uh, two of the local guys coming to pick guests up for a day in the park, so they stayed as well for about two hours. They didn't leave till about uh, they pick, picking up at five, so they didn't leave till about seven half seven, I suppose. Uh, and they were saying, well, you know, we might as well stay here and watch this because you're not going to see this in the park unless you're very very lucky. So, yeah, exactly. so yeah, we we were very blessed at the lodge. Um, and they would have spent a few days there uh, with the kill. Yeah, so it was it was nice. So the guests that were there. Uh, for two or three days, I can't remember which day they uh, they killed it, but uh, they actually caught it in the river, dragged it onto the onto onto the, uh, the there's an open section of grass there where they uh, where they ate. Um, so that was the kind of the first. They fed until about early afternoon, and then it got hot, and they slept, and they came back. Uh, then we had uh, obviously uh, the vultures appeared pretty quickly after that. The following day we had uh, well, the following two days we had hyena. There's a local hyena clan. Uh, not quite, not too far from where we are, mm-hmm. so we saw the whole. So we saw you know the whole circle of the kill really from the you know from the from the catch to the you know just the bleached bones by the river. Yeah, wow. So, and yeah, uh, one of the things that uh, you sort of hone your skills of sightings when you're uh, spending a lot of time there, you sort of become one of na- one at nature, and you can sort of see things that as they develop. Um, tell me a little bit about one of the sightings that surprised yourself in that you were driving along and thought, hang on a second, there's something not quite right here and it ended up being a magnificent sighting. So I'll give you a, um, <clears throat> uh, an example of, um, so everyone, everyone calls it uh, bush eyes, as you know, you have, you, know, you have to get your bush eyes in. Um, and I'm not bad, but I've got some friends who uh, um, go to the park a lot more than me and it takes them a lot less time to get their eyes back in than it does me. Mm-hmm. But my last trip, we were up, um, uh, drove to Bergendahl. I was with um, uh, two friends of mine, David and Jacqueline, um, who live in um, in Pretoria. And we were up near uh, Gardenia Hyde mm-hmm. uh, on the lookout for leopards, strangely. Um, <laughs> yep. Anyway, so we're, uh, we're just driving up the road. I think it's the S114, I forget 
uh, which road. And there's a, a Franklin in a tree going crazy, alarm calling. Mm -hmm. And um, so we stop and have a look. About two other cars there, you know, there's nothing to see. Um, so we stay for another two minutes and then uh, David, who was driving, said, you know, should we move on now? And Jacqueline said, no, 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 there's something going on here. Um, you know, let's just stay for a bit. So uh, we reversed up a little bit and then back a little bit. We couldn't quite see. It was quite a short tree, only about six, seven feet, but we couldn't see the Franklin. It was quite thick. And we reversed back. And Jack said, there, there, in the corner. And by the base of a tree was a dwarf mongoose with one of the Franklin's eggs. Oh, wow. So they'd obviously stolen the egg, um, much to the Franklin's dismay. And we watched for about 15, 20 minutes um, as, as, as the mongoose tried to break the egg against the base of a tree. Um, so it's kind of little things like that. Um, I think it's about as much about listening to the bushes uh, as watching. Um, you know, Jack says a Jack Jacqueline, my friend, has a real talent for this kind of thing. And it was it was one of those wonderful. So I, I'd never seen a um, a mongoose with an egg before, uh, and just a wonderful thing to see. And you know, things like leopards, for example. I mean, I was with my uh, my ex up near Skakusa, um, and we're driving back just before the gates closed, about an hour before the gates closed. And even in even in the quiet season, everyone knows how, how busy it can be around there. And we're driving literally one and a half kilometers from the, from the Skakusa gate. And uh, my girlfriend was driving. I said, well, just stop a minute and reverse back. And she said, what is it? And I said, there was a leopard sat by the side of the road. And it's one of those things you don't expect, really. <laughs> so she reversed back about 50, 60 feet. And there sat calmly by the side of the road was this beautiful young female leopard. Um, oh. And we sat there with her. She went behind a termite mound. So we reversed back. She came out the other side. And we played kind of hide and seek for 15, 20 minutes before another car turned up. Um, so it just goes to show, you know, you can be in the busiest part of the park and, um, you know, be on your own with the most amazing animal. Exactly. Like you're on. Now, um, down Crop Bridgeway, there's a cheetah and the four cubs. It's becoming, a, yeah, becoming quite popular. Now, have you had some sightings of her? And I've, I've been very lucky. So I... Um, I first saw Supermum, as she's known, when she had five cubs. Oh wow! Um, when they were when they were very little, um, <clears throat> and uh, over the you know I've been back in the UK um, for a while. Uh, I was I was back again for two months at Christmas. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've I've seen them grow up really. So I've seen them. Um, uh, they used to hunt uh, on Tar Road between uh, Crop Bridge and the turning for the S28, and then up the S. 28 towards and Tandignati and Duke, Duke Stam. I think it's um, public public knowledge where to look for them. Mm -hmm. If you find them, if you find them or not, it's a different matter. Um, but yeah, so I've 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 seen them grow up into into uh, it's uh, four four males that, that she has. And in fact, when I was there at Christmas, um, uh, Jacqueline, my friend, one of the things that she hadn't seen that we wanted to try and find was uh, Superman, and we found her up just by the towards and Tandignati. Um, just before the broken dam turn off. I can never, never remember the name of the road. Um, and the boys then were just about to leave, or mum was just about to leave the boys then. Mm -hmm. um, it was wonderful. We watched them. Mum appeared from the bush, and uh, we thought, oh, God, I hope it's her, I hope it's her. And then one, two, three, four came out. Yeah, wow. Uh, and they played in the turning. They uh, did that classic, went and stood on the road sign for us. Yeah. Uh, and then a log, and then just split off into the bush. Um, and we tried to... Uh, Sorry about that. We tried to um, track them for a while, but they uh, uh, they headed towards the um, the border. Yeah. But yeah, wonderful to see. Uh, yeah. And 
you know, I think I think for a cheetah to raise four cubs right in the middle of one of the biggest lion prides in Kruger is no mean feat, to be exactly. honest with you. Um, and so uh, you mentioned that you went back in December. Um, obviously, we're unable to go to the park at the moment, but when you are able to get back there, what's one thing that you sort of long to do and the first thing you want to do when you head back to the Kruger? So... Uh, I stayed at <clears throat> I stayed at a place called Tamburina in Kamati Port, and I think uh, quite a few people have been to the park now. There, um, and I'm quite good friends with Hannes, uh, who owns it now. He also runs his own safari company. So I, I check in there, and I pop in to see uh, everyone at the lodge. And they got two they got two dogs there, um, a Ridgeback and a, and a Jack Russell, who I miss dreadfully. So I pop in and see them, uh, and then straight into the park. <clears throat> I normally stop at the at the shop. I've got a, f- a few friends at the shop at Crockbridge. Mm-hmm. My, Mikey, particularly. Mikey, if you're watching this, hello. <laughs> um, and then head off to the park. Uh, and it's just, it's like, uh, it's like the world, the weight of the world leaves your shoulders when you get through those gates. Yeah. And uh, it's a special place. And so uh, you've arrived and you've just gone through Crockbridge. Uh, what are some of the roads that you're going to head down? So I think so, some people freestyle it from the start. Some people, you know, plan a... Um, a route. Um, I have a, an idea of what I'd like to do at the start of the day, but that all tends to go out the window when you hit the first junction. Yeah. And you think, "Whoa, this has got a leopardy feeling about it," or a, or a, I don't know. I said, "Just go up here for the, you know, on the off chance." Um, and sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. I've, I've got my, I've got my set little loops that I like doing. Um, so I like the S25, and then um, up to the H5, back, back onto the tar. Uh, the Gomondwani loop's fantastic. One of my favourite bits of road. It's very narrow. Um, but on the last trip there, I finally got to see the Gomondwani, the famous Gomondwani leopard, mm-hmm. after five years of trying. Um, and I got wild dog there and chased by an elephant. And so it was, had some fantastic fun there. Wow. Um, and then other days I head down, uh, occasionally in the mornings, um, normally after about a week in the Crockbridge area, I'll drive to uh, Bergendal. Uh, and go in through Malalan. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's some fantastic uh, opportunities for all kinds of stuff down by the river there. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I hear you've got a little travel companion in Rufus. Rufus, my wild dog, yes. <laughs> well, we've, um, yeah, I get some strange looks at airports, but uh, I think we've clocked up over over a quarter of a million kilometres now between us. And uh, he needs a bath. He's, I'm sure he's got half the Kruger Park in his fur, but um, I'm going to leave him as is. I know he uh, comes everywhere with me, and he's he's quite handy on the airplane for uh, uh, as a headrest. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I think uh, you've had a few profile pictures and that sort of thing with uh, Rufus featured. Yeah, we've had a few scrapes together, me and the boy. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, when you think of the Kruger and you're thinking about, okay, what animal would I like to see? What what's your favourite animal? I think. Um, Leopards are lovely, you know, I mean, they're, they're just magnificent animals. But I think, um, I think elephant for me, I think, um, you know, uh, a close encounter with, with an elephant or a herd or little ones is, is, is always fantastic. And it's strange because the guests at the lodge, we always used to ask them at the, at the start of their stay, you know, what, what, what the thing was that they were looking forward to most. Nine times out of ten would be a leopard and giraffe, strangely. Um, yeah, right. but those two. Um, and then we'd ask them again at the end. And almost all of them would say being close to an elephant was was, yeah. was, was was their abiding memory of the park. And there's something there's something wonderful about their animals. I mean, there's more that goes on in their heads of theirs than we will ever know in our lifetime. 
100 percent um and so that brings us to pretty much the close or the end of uh, the the chat um is there any other stories that stick in your mind that you think you know what i'd really like to share oh blimey um there was one if you if you get a chance to go to um to kruger uh go to lake panic um it's amazing little hide um there's a golf club just up the road where you can get a very nice lunch. It's half as busy as Kakuza, third of the price. Um, uh, and the golf course is in the Kruger. So there's, I think it was about a month ago, they had lions on the 14th tee. And I don't know. I didn't see that yet. Um, but Lake Panic is amazing. And uh, I've, there's leopard there regularly. If you go first thing in the morning, sometimes they come down to drink. But one of the most amazing sightings I had there was when I first started going with we had one of those days we saw black rhino in the morning, which is wow. only one of, two or, one of two or three times I've ever seen them in the park, and then only got a fleeting glimpse. And then we went to Lake Panic, and uh, we heard the cheetah, that's a cheetah, a leopard sawing in the distance, and uh, a, young, uh, a young pair came down and drank, climbed a tree, watched us in the hide, and um, uh, that was fantastic. But we'd gone there because someone said there was a python hmm. on one of the trees, and um, anyway, we looked, there was, used to be a famous dead tree right um, right in front of the viewing deck there and we couldn't see the snake any so i went into the walkway for a crafty cigarette one of my vices and then toby the guide um he's moved to australia now even calling david david and he'd been taking pictures of a woodland kingfisher fishing from uh, one of the dead branches and he'd been photographing it for about two or three minutes and as it flew back to the the, the branch that he was he was using as a perch this python struck and uh, uh toby called me i'd got they literally 20 seconds after the snake had caught it. And apparently it had got two coils around the bird in mid-flight before it even landed on the, uh, on the perch. But we sat there for an hour and 20 minutes um, and watched this python try and um, devour the kingfish, which is a, you know, a remarkable thing to see. Mm. Um, and it was a young python, so it didn't, couldn't quite work out which end to swallow first because the business end of a woodland kingfish is quite pointy, yeah. as you know. So... Uh, so yeah, an amazing thing to see. So you know, it's not—it's a bit like the mongoose and the egg thing. It's not—it's not all about leopards and lions. Absolutely. And uh, anyone that wants to see photos of that, I believe they're up on your Crockbridge uh, blog. Um, there's some yeah. So there's a there's a Crockbridge blog and my Facebook page. Um, it's just David Boff B O U G H. So mm -hmm. come and say hello. Yeah. Well. Um... I'd like to thank you very much for uh, taking the time to have a chat to me. Uh, some really interesting stories there. And um, hopefully everyone's enjoyed hearing uh, David Bob's stories. Uh, he definitely has some unique ones to share with us. So thanks very much for your time, David. Um, if you hang on two seconds. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Safari Stories podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's stories. If you liked our show and want to see the pictures and videos from today's stories, please visit our website at safaristories.com as well as Safari Stories Facebook page and Instagram. It would mean the world to us if you could take the time to leave a rating, review, or comment. Join us again next time to hear more Safari Stories.